When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hey, man. All right, all right, all right. It's too deep to Southern President, man. I'm tapped in, and we coming off the porch with Dirty Glove Bastard. Judy. Uh, Iceberg Slim on the... Uh, yeah, I'm still him on the... I'm gonna make a film on this... All right, so we got my boy, a day one family member of DGB, sitting on off the porch with us today. You did. Too deep, the Southern president. It is an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the intro because a lot of people don't even understand. We go back with this shit, what, maybe At least 12? 10 years. At least 10. At least 10. I think yeah. the first, um, No More Mr. Nice Guy. That might have dropped in like 09, 2010 or something. It's okay. 2023. Yeah, and Burn One did that. And that's most definitely. That's what put me on to your music. Burn One and, and Hot Rod the yes, God. Sir, man. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Nah, definitely, man. It's an honor to have you here, too, man. Mm -hmm. So, man, you already shout out Hot Rod, but go ahead and shout out everyone else you got sitting up there with you today, man, too. I man, I got a million characters up here with me. I hate to give them any credit. Nah, I'm just bullshit. <laughs> um, first off, I want to show salute to all my guys B Roll, Calico. Uh, Blaze, E20, Lee, my engineer, you know, everybody who's been a part, we got High Rod Productions, everything that's going on, this has been going on for ages, all these people you see over here with me have supported me, and I'm just genuinely appreciative to have my guys with me to share this moment, you dig? Nah, definitely some real play shit going on up oh, here today, Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, for sure. Alright, so let's take it back, man, let's take it back to Memphis. So first off, let the folks know what part of the city you from or is. Well, we ain't even got to talk about that. I could just show the tattoo. It's Orange Mound, right? <laughs> but dig this. I got to give credit to Orange Mound and South Memphis hmm. because without both of these areas, I wouldn't be who I am. And um, I say that because I was early in my career. I started off with Gangsta Black. Um, he, I used to open all the shows for Gangsta Black. A lot of people, so I was like 15, 16, opening up Gangsta Black shows, Player Fly shows. Mm -hmm. And um, they would take me on tour with them all through the Chitlin circuit from like 16 to like maybe 20, I would say. And so then when you go to my Orange Mound side, you know, Ball and G embraced me very early. Oh, yeah. You know, seeing me on the corner pushing my stuff. Nah, that's, I mean, that right there is legendary. At 16 years old, to get those type of co-signs from some legends out your city, man. I'm, 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 That's I'm major. For, right I'm forever there, grateful. And I brought this because a lot of people, since we're talking about history, a lot of people don't understand how far my history go back because they see me on the internet because we in a new era and they be like, oh, he's young. And, you know, I'm appreciative of it because they bitch like it. But <laughs> it's not important. What is important is this is kind of where it started. And, and if people can see this, this is me in front of my 641 Impala. I had a 641 Impala at like 16. I don't think nobody else had one at 16. I don't know. But the name of the city was coming out hard, part two. And I can remember vividly, you know, modeling myself after what Ball and G was doing with the pimp mm -hmm. shit, the player shit. And um, I might have sold 15, 20,000 of these out the trunk of that old school. This is 20 years old. So to give people an understanding of how long the grind been happening, this might have been another 16, 17 years old. I had a DVD, I was selling my own DVD out the trunk of my car. And on the front of it, it says 15,000 CDs sold independently. We talking 15, 16 years ago, and we still here, still rebranding, and, and it's just a blessing to see life come full circle. And now the people that I was looking up to, like Ball and G, you know, obviously we collaborate. You know yeah. what I mean? Man, break that down. Selling shit out the trunk. Because these <laughs> youngins today, they don't know about that. They hold up a phone, they record themselves, hit send. They, that, that's their way of selling themselves. Man. That's but real shit. We had to go out there, like you said, out the trunk. Out the trunk. Out the and, trunk. And, and, and as a testament to that, you... And, and the DGB brand, like, 
Even on the internet wave, y'all was so far ahead of the curve with what y'all was doing with the websites and the blogs and then to transform it to this era. Mm -hmm. But to tap into that and just give people insight, people like my guy Calico, um, in Memphis, Tennessee, you had to hustle, right? And so I watched the Three Six Mafia era when they used to sell tapes. So you got Three Six, you got DJ Squeakies, you got, you know, Criminal Mains, you got Player Fly, you got Kingpin, Skinny Pimp, Gangsta Black, Biology, all these cats. And we had the independent hustle, we had Selecto hits. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have time to sit and wait on no labels because the labels wasn't coming to save us. We had to get out there and find a way to promote our motherfucking self. And for me, that's what I did. I had a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, I don't give a fuck who gonna put some money behind me. I'm gonna do this shit myself. So my whole thing was I had this, this car, like I said, that 64 Impala, and it was an eye catcher. Hmm. I could park that motherfucker anywhere. And the motherfucker gonna be like, who the fuck is that? And so when they see this little skinny motherfucker hop out, and I'm like, yo, if I talk five, nine times out of 10, if a motherfucker give me 32 seconds to talk, they gonna give me some money. <laughs> or, or they bitch will, it's either or. You know what I'm saying? Like the art of communication was just a skill that I had at an early age, right? So my whole thing was I could park that vehicle and I'ma pop that trunk and I'ma say, hey man, give me like 22 seconds, you gonna be, I'ma be your favorite rapper, watch. And the motherfucker be looking at me crazy, like what the fuck this young, arrogant ass motherfucker talking about? But once they sit in their Chevy and soak up some of that music, hey man, here's five dollars, here's ten dollars, here's twenty dollars. And so I built a name for myself and a reputation because I would go every fucking hood. North Memphis, South Memphis, you know, the Bay, you know, I would go to West Memphis, Arkansas. I would go any motherfucking where I felt like I could make a motherfucker listen to me and stand there for hours until they bought my shit. And you know, that's the era we come from. If you from Memphis, you understand that we couldn't get in no motherfucking phone and get no fans. You had to be in the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah. True. When did you realize you had that gift of gab to where, you, you know, you could pretty much talk and get your way whatever you wanted? Okay, I'm gonna say this. It's a lot of size to me. It's a lot of layers to me as a human being. For as much as I'm a player, for as much as I'm one thing, I'm an intellectual. You know, I'm, I'm about a lot of different things. I was intelligent in school. I'm artsy. I'm creative. My mama was a preacher, right? So I, I used to go to church every single Sunday. I even used to play the drums in church. That was like one of my first hustles, right? So I would listen to her speak. I would be motivated by the things she would do. I would be motivated and inspired by people like Malcolm X, you know, people that, that, that gave us generational um, leadership. I bring up Malcolm X because a lot of people don't understand. Malcolm X came from the pimping, right? So people don't understand that dynamic leadership comes in all forms. You feel me? And so for me, I understood 11 and 12 years old when I was in school, everybody in school listened to me. Everybody in school, when I, we would have pet rallies, the whole fucking pet rally gonna turn away from the pet rally and watch me rap. If I'm in cafeteria, I had three lunches because like, I fucked off and had study halls and the teachers <laughs> like me. So every lunch, I'm entertaining all the classes that was on those lunches. I knew it early, like this is what I'm supposed to do. Now when it got to females, I knew I was never like the boyfriend type, right? I, I pitched that earlier. Bitches would be like, yo, you wanna walk me to class? I'd be like, bitch, cut it out. You know, so once I realized this dynamic, I was like, oh, this is me. Like conversation, gift the gab, this is me. I can sell anything, you feel me? And I, I ran with that my whole life. Yeah. So when does your, like, your love for making music, how does that start then? Tupac, Jay-Z. The greats, you feel me? Um, I think that's why my journey to success in the music industry has been so difficult because I've never wanted to sacrifice the art of lyricism. I never wanted to sacrifice my integrity on the microphone. I never wanted to sacrifice what I stand for as a man, my character, my beliefs, the things that I see that are powerful, they mean something to me. So when I listen to Tupac, Jay-Z, people like this, their stories were authentic. The problem with this generation is nobody believes in authenticity no more. 
Everybody wants to be somebody else. Everybody wants to follow a trend. Everybody wants to be the dynamic that they saw already work, right? So for me, because I watched those guys, you know, the A-Balls and MJGs, all these, I was like, oh, these, these motherfuckers is poetic, outcasts. I'm like, I want to be legendary. I don't just want to be a rapper that has a hit song. I want my shit to go down like he's the first motherfucker that did it this way. So for me, everything about what I was trying to be had to be about making high quality music, standing on who I am, and making people come my direction versus me following somebody else's path. You feel me? And I think it made my journey a lot tougher. You feel me? Because when you're trying to come into a, a fake industry, and, and I'm going to say this too. When I was young, I thought everything about this music shit. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. It was real. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. Like I was this shit like fucking rap. They made it look good. My goofy ass really believe like oh like he's really a gangster. He's really a this. He's really no. He's a platinum selling plant. <laughs> they planted this motherfucker and gave him a fucking story. Whereas a nigga like me at her sacrificing my life to build a story that's gonna stand out. And I'm thinking. Everybody else went through this same shit. Hell motherfucking no, they didn't go through this same shit. I'm making that hard on myself trying to keep it so real and authentic, you did? And so, for me though, what I did learn along the way is, despite that, when you do finally hit that plateau, the people appreciate it so much more. Mm -hmm. Cause they like, oh my God, I watched him go through hell to fucking get here and he never switched up. And so that's what it's about for me. Do you ever feel like giving up on this journey? A million times. A million motherfucking times. I watch people like, uh, I would compare my story, and I'm not saying I'm Nipsey Hussle by any regard, but I, I, would, I identify with him, right? Because when I heard about Nipsey, Nipsey sold this shit out to Trump. Nipsey was, uh, you know, well-respected in his neighborhood, but everything about his grind was a marathon, right? It didn't happen in two years. It didn't happen in five years. It didn't happen in 10 years. It's literally his whole fucking life was like, gotta get to this level, I gotta get to this level, I gotta get to this level. He didn't even start reaching his full potential till like right before he passed. Mm -hmm. Late 30s, mid 30s. And so for me, it's a similar dynamic because I feel like I went through so many different phases of my career where I thought, it's my time, it's my time, it's my time, it's my time. And God was like, no, you're not wise enough yet. No, you don't understand what to do with the money yet. No, the people around you're not right yet. No, your business isn't right yet. And so now I really finally feel like this is the space that I needed to get to as a man to develop what I needed to develop to go back and show my people what it is to be a leader and what it is to not change on who you are to get to where you're trying to go. Yeah. What is your definition of a leader? My definition of a leader is somebody who's willing to take the chances and accept all the consequences that it comes with leadership. Leadership starts with leading by example, right? A lot of people think you're a leader just because you got the most money or because you got the most attention or because people are willing to listen to you. Because, you know, the era we live in, we cl they, they clout chasers. Like, you could be a nobody-ass goofy, but you got a million dollars. And so you got a million motherfuckers like, he's this, he's that, because you got some money. Where I'm from, you got to have some fucking character. You see what I'm saying? You can have all the money in the world and still be a fucking clown. You did? And so for me, that's important when it comes to leadership. Also, leadership is about helping people understand the vision. Everybody don't know how to make people follow their vision and get behind something. And so I feel like, for me, that's an important part of leadership. And I feel like to be a leader, hence my name, the Southern President, I call myself that at a young age because I felt like, people kind of gravitated to what I had to say. People kind of gravitated to my outlook on things. When I was like 11 or 12, I didn't even run for it, but like they voted me class president. 
<laughs> I can't make this shit up. I'm just telling you my life. And so it was just like so many parts of my life where people just were drawn to how I moved. And I understand that that comes with it comes with consequences and it comes with like, I don't get the, I don't have the ability to sit around and feel sorry for myself when I go through shit. Cause like, it's people that believed in me so long that's like, bro, you supposed to be the one. You like, I thought you was the chosen one. Like you don't have time to feel sorry for your fucking self. We don't care if you say you the chosen one, prove it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's what make you a leader. Yeah. Do you feel like people are born leaders or is that something they can learn over time? That's tough. I feel like I feel like God chooses who he wants to choose, right? Cause like some people are special. Everybody that know me know I'm a LeBron fan, right? I bring up LeBron cause he's chosen. You know, you know certain people, you know, they just got that thing, right? Where it be like, damn, this motherfucker, it's like everything he do is different. You know what I'm saying? And so I say that because Man, nigga can talk their ass off, but I'm one of them people. You feel me? Like, I don't give a fuck how nobody watching this interview feel. I'm one of them motherfucking people. I sacrificed my life for whatever the fuck I stand on. You feel me? Like, when that shit was uncool, before niggas was kicking all this pushing pee shit. Man, we talking 20 years I've been pushing this shit. You know what I'm saying? When, when, when Ball and G, you know, wasn't... um. What was on the radio as much no more, and Tila wasn't what was on the radio as much no more, and then they started playing crunk music and, and, and goddamn uh, swag music and all this shit. Guess who was still pushing pimping? 2D. So a motherfucker can talk their ass off, but this is the reality of the situation. Ain't no motherfucker in human earth that can downplay how much work I put in to stand on. Hey, man, this is what it is. I ain't switching up. Let me, let me keep it so thorough. Let me tell you a story. Jermaine Dupree came to Memphis one time. 007 gave him. Shout out to DJ 007, one of the first people that, you know, believed in me and, and, and helped me along the way of what we was doing. He gave Jermaine Dupree a CD. Jermaine Dupree heard it, loved it, flew me to Atlanta. I thought my life was finna change, right? So I get down here. We go in the studio. He flew me out here, he flew 007 out here, who flew my business partner, my, one of my best friends, Jay Young, out here. I go in the studio, first thing he say, the shoes match the shirt, match the shades. That he quotes my bars from Married to the Game, one of my biggest players. Classic song, man. Pimp song, whatever you want to call it, right? Google that if you're watching this shit. Done one in the video, all the players in the video. This is real shit, right? So Jermaine Dupree's in the studio and he's like, yo, you gonna be like, you know, Snoop to my Dre. You're gonna be like Jay-Z to my Blase Blase because he believed in what I was saying, right? And so I'm saying that so much to help a motherfucker understand, I was kicking game the whole time. To the point where I'm in the studio with Jermaine Dupree. Thank the Lord, we, uh, this might have been over 10 years ago. My bitch calls me. Oh, I'm about to get locked up. I'm at the woo 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 woo. I'm sitting beside Jermaine Dupree. This bitch finna go to jail for doing the shit that I'm rapping about while I think I'm finna get a record deal. How do I explain this to Jermaine Dupree that this is what I'm going through, that I'm finna have to bond this bitch out? And he like, man, you know, we finna go to the club and pop some bottles. You finna be the best rapper, woo woo woo. Life is crazy like that. But I'm telling people these stories so they understand how serious I was about the dynamic of the shit that I was speaking about. Now that situation didn't pan out. He didn't wind up signing me for whatever reason. But getting that close to someone who was great in the music business and them believing in what I was saying, it let me know I'm on the right track because as I communicated with him, he may not never admit it, but he was mystified by that player shit that I was kicking in front of him. He was like, oh, this shit real? Like, you really do that? Like, they, oh, this ain't no fucking act. Hell, motherfucker, nah, I'm him. Google me. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between a player and a pimp, then? Where do you begin? 
See how I pause and I had to post some goddamn Ace of Spades. Shout out to Calico for bringing the bottle. It's a lot of differences, right? And I'm saying this in hindsight because I know anybody can be watching. You know, I'm retired. Big smile. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you were pimp, you know, it's a lot of rules that come with being a pimp. Because, like, it's certain shit that you ain't going to let slide. It's certain, you know, codes and ethics and morals and rituals to where you like, man, you know, I got to stand on these principles when you a player. You know, you might not be like, I want all the money. Mm. You might not be like, mm. you know, I, I, I can't, I can fuck on, I can fuck on, you know, this girl and she ain't giving me none yet. But when you pimping, man, I'm not sticking no motherfucking dick in you when you ain't gave me no earnings. You know, what the fuck are you doing? My dick ain't for a discount, you know? But, you know, that's the pimping. Now, the player shit, it's a lot of, you know, players and max. You know, you, you cool, you smooth, you just trying to finesse whatever you can finesse out of situation. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. But when you really, really pimping, people going to pull your card. People going to be like, oh, you say you were pimping, right? Well, what about what you did with that bitch in Seattle in 2013? <laughs> You're like, shit, you knew that? <laughs> Saying. So I, I think that would be the... um. The biggest difference, man, your resume gonna matter, man. People who stamped in the game gonna pull your card and be like, man, uh, are you really that? Speaking of that, I wanna give a special shout out to Rollo and Mr. Silky Slim for uh, bringing me up here on their platform when they came to do they off the porch. Them are my guys, they doing some spectacular shit and I wanna make sure I salute them because we like a movement, you know? Mm -hmm. So what's your definition of P? Shit, three things, me, myself, and I. You know, that's the definition of P. When you think about P, you're thinking about character, integrity, morals, you know, understanding how to dictate yourself around a human being that is uh, probably not of the same association with you because they might not completely understand this shit, but your dynamic is so cold, they enriched by your motherfucking existence, your presence. That's the pimping. I ain't even got to tell you I'm pimping. If I walk in a room and you feel my aura and you feel my energy and I get to kicking that shit, you like, what the fuck just hit me? This motherfucker pimping like a motherfucker. I ain't even got to tell your ass. I could literally come in a room with a white t-shirt and some sweatpants on and the bitch going to look and be like, something's different. You know what I'm saying? Something's motherfucker. I'm talking about no pinky ring, no jewelry, no shit. I could jump out of taxi cab. I done did this. Man, me, rest in peace, my nigga 921. We would go places, tone down, get out, walk in that motherfucker, motherfucker bit. But when we get to talking, motherfucker, like, these niggas too happy. These niggas is too cool. What the fuck? What's up, Pimpin? What's up, player? Whoa, 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 whoa. So when people say phrases like it's in you, not on you, I think that's the definition of the pimping because it has to be something smooth and charismatic about you that people can just feel. A lot of people misrepresent that shit and they be thinking this shit about walking around all day screaming to the top of your lungs, I'm pimping and smacking on bitches like this shit is 1972 and you got a goddamn phone booth and a pool hall to go to. This ain't that though. You did. And so for me, when I, um, I tell a lot of jokes, you know, I talk a lot of shit, but people gotta understand that, you know, I think a lot of this shit been misrep misrepresented. 
And when I go into strip clubs, when I go into places, I, I you know, sometimes I shy away from saying certain things because a, a female would get the, the wrong misconception and assume any person that calls themselves a P is ignorant, unintelligent, stereotypical shit that they see in a movie, right? So when a motherfucker talk to me and they see, oh, this guy is actually intelligent. He has some character. He's not just all about the money. He actually has a vision of where he's trying to go and where he's trying to take me. Business minded, entrepreneurship, things that they wouldn't expect. Even just spirituality. People assume that just because of your job description that you don't like have some religion or you don't believe in anything outside of like, go get me some money. And so everything about my existence has been trying to prove people wrong because when you look at Jay-Z, right, or any of these other top rappers, they will be like, you could be come from being a dope boy and you could be the best rapper of all time. I never hear them say that about the two shorts and the eight balls and MJGs and, you know, guys that kick player shit. So I want to be the motherfucker that they look back and be like, nah, nigga, that nigga got bars. He's really talented. He's really, he's really lyrically inclined and he's diverse enough to speak on other topics outside of just his game. No, you're going to listen to a Too Deep CD. You might get some politics. You might get some uh, religion. You might get some pimping. You might get some goddamn uh, 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 moments where I'm breaking down and being vulnerable about the things that I've experienced in my life, but you're going to get layers of me as a man and understand my purpose is bigger than just what you associate me with with my pimp. So you mentioned Rallo and Sil. Who else you be listening to that would be really be kicking some good game on records right now? Oh. It's almost like a dying art these days, huh? It's a dying art, man. I don't want to feel too many of these cats because too many of these cats I can't even vouch for. You know what I'm saying? Like, you laughing like you don't know what I'm talking about, man. Let's just be real, man. Oh. A lot of times I sit here and I look down at niggas that sit down here and I be wondering what the fuck they doing down there that got them up here when I know that the shit that they doing isn't of high quality, right? And so I be sitting back and a lot of these guys make very entertaining music about whatever they do with a female and it's cute. It is cute. I like Larry June. I like what he does. Um, it's some other cats that I like. Shout out to my guy, uh, 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 Daniel Payne. Okay, yeah. Player shit, you know, formerly known, known as KD. KD. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out to DJ Burn one for making these player ass tracks that he's always made, you know, for these country rap tunes. But, you know, when I look at the motherfucking scroller who do this shit, man, I don't see a lot of guys that's really done it. So I can't, it's hard for me to appreciate the shit that they kicking because I'm like, I ain't seen you in the field. You know, if I, if I see you in the, the field, I value you. But you know what I'm saying? Like, where I'm from, man, you can't kick this shit and we, we ain't seen you outside. You know, before this internet shit happened, I was outside. I'm talking about catching charges. I'm talking about, man, losing it. That motherfucker will see me and think this shit all cute because a nigga got a little jewelry. I don't give a fuck about this jewelry. I don't give a fuck about these cars. I done had a million Cadillacs. This shit don't matter to me. My integrity matters to me. Who I am, my authenticity matters to me. So when you come to me and you making music and it's not authentic, I don't give a fuck what you had to say. Church. Yeah, church. church. <laughs> so speaking of being in the field, talk about this, uh, the players ball, man. Woo! It's been a and lot what, of them. Which one? Well, it's been a lot of them. the award at? Okay, um... Was that last year? Yeah, um... Calico recently had one. Okay. He gave me a, a, a pretty nice-sized trophy at that joint. Shout out to that. Foot on their neck award, I believe that was. <laughs> foot on um, their neck award. Yeah, I've been putting my foot on their neck a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times. You know what I'm saying? Um, then, shout out to Juju, um, D.C. You know, we went up there to D.C. Um, I performed at his player's ball. Um, I, I, I'm grateful because he awarded me up there. Him and Magic Dunn won, yep. you know, gave me a trophy. And it's crazy how life works because this is going to make me sound old. I got my first 
trophy in 2008 from Pimpin' Ken in Dallas, Texas. Hmm. It's 2023, and I feel like I just started. Hmm. You know, I feel like I'm just getting in a mental state where it's like everything that I ever did in my life is making sense. So that just shows you how long and how many transitions you can go through in your life where you got to recreate and rebrand and remaster who you are as a human being before you finally start to understand where you actually supposed to be trying to go. Yeah, man, so you got Hot Rod back there, man. Talk about this connection. Talk about this chemistry when your boys are cooking up. I'm so happy you asked. Um, let me shake my, bar, my bro hand. <laughs> Listen, let me give people some insight. Hot Rod, met me, man, a couple decades ago, maybe. Hot Rob was hungry, still is hungry, and he just wanted to get his music with the right artist. You know what I'm saying? I think he seen something and what I did and what I was doing, and he felt like we'd be a good match. I've always been the type of person who I like organic shit. Shout out to my guy, Webb, because he was one of the first people, you know, that's like my brother. And he did down there a lot of my tracks when we was coming up since we was kids. Um, and so when I got to hearing Hot Rod shit, I was instantly like, oh, my God, like this is like a match made in heaven. Right. <laughs> and so we started working and it just became this chemistry that's undeniable, like like, you know, like how Larry June got Cardo, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I hear a Hot Rod track, he'll tell you, it might be, it take me 10 seconds. I know if that's one of them ones. And he'll, it'd be like damn near every time he would play something, I'd be like, oh shit. Five minutes later, I got damn near a whole song and I'm ready to drop it. And so like over the years, we built up this chemistry from the No More Mr. Nice Guy CDs to the, the, the man, we got so much material. So many songs that I had on the radio back in the day and we- When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. We can get into that, too, because a lot of people don't know. Like, I really was on the radio a whole lot, and he was, you know, the sound that was dead. And, and I feel like Hot Rods really slept on hmm. Um Probably his most notable single probably was Five Star Chick with Yo Gotti. Mm -hmm. And for me, it pisses me off because he didn't get the recognition he deserves when it comes to Memphis producers, just like I don't get the recognition I deserve when it comes to Memphis rappers because he put in so much motherfucking work for so long and it's like, oh, if you ain't making beats for somebody who got a platinum record all the time, they overlook you. No, he's doper than 98.9% .9 of these niggas. I'm being generous, it's really 99. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, like, I bet whatever I got on his production because people would come to me all the time. No disrespect to nobody. Oh man, you need to get the, this producer beat. You need to get a, you know, whoever was hot out at the time. A Zaytoven, a Lex Luger, a boo boo boo. And I'm like, fuck all that. I got my sound. You feel me? And so I think it's important now for, for if you're a new artist, understand, don't go chasing producers. Work with people, build a sound, and people will start reaching out to you and your producer for your sound, your brand, your thing. And I'm going to roll like that till I can't roll no more, man. Yeah, understood, man. So, you, all right, so you touched on it briefly, but married to the game, man. I need you to talk about, like, the inspiration, the creative process behind this song, and also the remix, too. <sighs> married to the game, um, I might have been... I might have been like mid-20s at the time, and just to give people some understanding of where I was in life at the time, I was going through a lot, and I was winning, though. I was winning. I was so young when I jumped off the porch. I might have left Memphis at like 21, 22. So picture me being a young dude who was started off selling CDs, doing shows, opening up for artists, and then the game hits me. 
and I dive off. I remember shooting the Dallas, shooting the New Orleans, sitting my anchor down and being like, I'm going to give the game everything I got and use the money from the game to invest in my music. And so I was knee deep in it at the time. I was living in New Orleans and my music was on the radio in Memphis. And I was, you know, I was just trying to figure out a way to like live both worlds, right? And married to the game was like the perfect theme song that I wanted to make to be like, oh, this could be played at a player's ball 40 years from now. Yeah. That was my like intention in making that song. And it happened naturally, it happened organically. I wanted it to be a song to where whether you fuck with the game or you don't, when you hear it, it just feels good. Like it's one of them records where you play it and the girl besides you could have been the prom queen that went to goddamn Spelman. And she gonna turn around and be like, what's that? Like, what you talking about? Like, you know, she gonna start like wondering, get curious about what the fuck I'm saying. Or you can play it in front of your mom. And your mom will be like, oh, this just sound like 20 years ago. It sound like good music. It's a vibe, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was the inspiration behind the record. Now the remix, 8-Ball Bless Me. Once again, I said, and I'm gonna say this again, um, I started off coming out hard part two. This 18 years old. When you look at the track listing of this, my little skinny ass with my shirt off, a lot of the tracks were, you know, rapping over A-Ball and MJG instrumentals. You know what I'm saying? And so Ball and G, I think they had seen something in me young. They saw I was hungry, right? And they saw like, I think they saw like I was another generation of their sound. And so Ball and G embraced me. When I, I, I got up with A-Ball down here with Drummer Boy. Shout out Drummer Boy. Drummer Boy did so many things over the course of my career to put me into contact with other artists. Um, embraced me when I moved to Atlanta, before I moved to Atlanta, gave me tracks. He, he just did a whole lot of things for me that he didn't have to do that wasn't related to money. And so he kind of bridged the gap even more between me and A-Ball. Ball heard the record, then charged me a dime. And just was, you know, the rest is history. That song still sounds just as good as when I first recorded it to this day. It's that timeless, timeless music, man. That's all I want to make. I grew up on UGK. Yeah. <laughs> that shit still go right right now. Absolutely, That's the type of yeah. music I want to make, man. Yeah. Um, you've been going viral on TikTok lately, man. Did it take you a while to like embrace TikTok and or was this something you always wanted to do? <laughs> Look, it took me a while. I'm gonna be honest with you. Shout out to my girls. Cause like, I always keep some girls that's a lot younger than me, right? So they'll always, you know, talk about the trends and what's going on. For a long time, I ain't want to embrace like TikTok and none of this shit. Even Instagram, I'm like, my partners will tell you I'm funny all the time. I crack jokes all the time. I was a class clown in school. He's ugly. You don't listen to him. Okay, but this is my thing. Y'all, I said it with a straight face. This is my thing. I didn't know how to embrace the dynamic of me so much on the internet because I didn't know if people would be like, oh, I don't take you serious with everything else I, you know, do. And so once I understood in this generation, it's best to embrace your personality and show it to the people because that's how they become fans. So once I got an understanding of that, it was like, all right, let me show you how I am around my people. Let me show you how I am. And it, it, it was, it, it just, shit just was going viral left and right. I remember doing a video, I was in a, a beauty supply store one time with one of my people and some just hit me. I seen some do-rags. I got to talking shit about the do-rags posted it. I went to sleep, woke up. Shit was at like 200,000, then 500,000. By the next day, this shit was like 1.4 million. The next day, I seen it on Worldstar. <laughs> I'm like, God damn, maybe we own to something. <laughs> I had another one. I'm talking about Joe Biden. This shit had like 700,000. I had another one. Um, um, I'm at the fair, like, uh, goddamn throwing shitty balloons and shooting basketball, all these shits, 500, half a million, 600,000. I was like, oh, y'all like to see my personality. So I kind of 
start embracing it more and now it's just become a thing where if you go to my instagram i changed my instagram to too deep tv because my whole goal was like let's not just make it about the music let's show people every dynamic of me so now my life is more about being an entertainer versus just a musician because it's hard to win with just music right mm -hmm. like people want to really embrace you and feel like you're their friend to support you and i get that so now it's like i show people the music i give people um you know social shit that's going on and just my everyday life and and i don't really try hard it's just everything that i be posted just be naturally how i feel at the moment and a lot of times this shit just go viral yeah i, I fucked with this shit with zion man oh can, man can you share your thoughts about zion <laughs> did he where did he go wrong if he went wrong with this situation everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere, uh, first off, man, shout out to Zion. If you ever see this, man, uh, I'm gonna need you to start playing more basketball instead of tricking off. <laughs> now, my thing, hold up, I said playing basketball, don't you get no ideas? Oh, uh, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, my advice to Zion is, man, I got this thing. I had a song called Don't Get Up Pregnant. Shout out to Bud Beats, he produced that, and um. I think that's the problem with a lot of these entertainers and celebrities. They didn't have no game before they got famous, mm -hmm. right? And so when they meet these beautiful women, they're so enchanted by whatever it is they got going on that the pussy and the titties and, you know, whatever they saying to them just overwhelms them. And they're like, I got money now. Mm. I can buy you. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. And she's a slut. Of course she's going to do whatever you know like sexually you want her to do but she there for the money damn fool if you subtract your money can you still pull her you did and so for me i knew that when i was a kid you know what i'm saying i'm like if i can't get a female based on my game or just her naturally you know feeling me as a man she ain't for me because my whole shit is like what can you do for me not what i can do for you so for, you know what I'm saying? So for Zion, my thing here, you like, what do you like, 100 million, 200 million? Yeah, with endorsements, might be close to like 200 million. How you gonna put a bitch, no disrespect, but bitch is like a pet name for me, right? How you gonna put a bitch who's like 10, 20 years in the porn industry and a lot of people didn't already had that, like these niggas be getting leftovers and excited like they new meals. You reheating the same meal that this nigga just got through eating. And it ain't much left. You eating the last piece of that macaroni that that nigga just ate. And that's what the whole industry does. They pass these bitches around and then they act surprised when like, oh, you got a divorce and she want everything. You act surprised when you put a baby in the bitch and she want 50,000 a month. You act surprised when you out with the bitch and you realize this other motherfucker who in the NBA was fucking on the bitch last month. I don't care about none of these niggas feelings. Tighten up. Man up. You got too much goddamn money to be a goofy, man. But you know the game ain't in everybody, so who am I? You know. Man. You also touched on Shaq and uh, what's her name? Uh Britney Renner. Shit. I ain't gonna lie to you. Britney can DM me right now. You know what I'm saying? I was just trying to PSA to Shaq because Shaq got a big old bankroll over there. From what I understand, Shaq owned Marilyn Monroe's uh, rights. You know, he owns so many different businesses. And I'm like, man, she look like she finna come up on a real blessing, you know, over there. But once again, let's do our research on Britney. How many motherfuckers didn't had some Britney in their life? You know, quite a few, it seems like. You know, she even got books, from what I understand, complaining about her past whole theatrics and all the things. Yeah, I said whole theatrics, you know what I'm saying? Real dramatic ass bitch. Yeah, I came up with this shit on the fly, too. I came up, no, don't see me because I'm going to dunk on you next time we play. That's neither here nor there. The point of the matter is, though, you know, uh, with Shaq and that whole situation, I just be looking back and I just be like, if it were me, right? Let's say I, wasn't, I ain't even had a game. Let's say I was a regular Joe Smo who became a celebrity. I don't want what he had and he had and he had and he had and she had and did. I'm cool. 
Bro, if I'm a $10, $20 million dude, man, I can find a virgin and make her whatever the fuck I want to make her, dog. I'm up 20 M's. But these motherfuckers be so goofy, they be so excited like, damn, damn, the CEO of such and such had her. This motherfucker had her. They want to run behind and test that old used pussy out, man. We ain't doing no recycling, you know what I'm saying? Unless the recycling gonna make us some bankrolls, you dig? I dig that. Mm -hmm. So what's next, Too Deep? We know you're still cooking up music and all that, man. Ooh. We got a lot next. First of all, we got the single out right now with uh, MJG. It's called Iceberg, you know what I'm saying? Okay, he yeah. blessed me with a cold-ass verse. Y'all make sure y'all get online, download it. Um, we got an album coming, Grateful for the Game. I called it Grateful for the Game because I'm forever... Um, Man, I'm forever grateful for everything the game has blessed me with. I owe everything I got to my game and how I was raised. And, and, and I owe everything to Memphis. You know what I'm saying? There's people that believed in me when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? The gangster blacks, the player flies, the A-ball and MJGs, the Teelers, the people on the street corners, you know, hood to hood that believed in me and saw my vision. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, the burn ones, the, you know, my guy Webb, like, it's so many different people. Shout out my guy Josh. You know what I'm saying? Like, people don't understand. Me and my guy Josh had a CD before the P called Dope Boys. You know what I'm saying? In the streets of Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Like, this shit go deep. Like, I'm on the front with a fucking scale and a hoodie with 18 goals in my mouth. And, and we sold 50,000 of them out the trunk. 50,000. I ain't capping. This shit happened. $5 a pop. You feel me? Like this before all this shit, internet shit happened. And so for me, it's just so important to me to people to understand I'm grateful for the game. I'm grateful for those, for those experiences. But it took so long to get in this space because so much shit happened in my life. And let me say this. Because we got to touch on this. I can't even get up out of here without telling people how we got here. This shit starts, goes back from South Memphis, from Mad Ghetto, my nigga Big Trey, Big Rod, to, to open up shows for Yo Gotti, Jeezy, you know, 3C. I, I went through so many spaces in my career. And then when you get in the game and you realize, like, the music business is a treacherous fucking business, dog. I really went years, like, man, no cap. I might have spent a quarter million dollars trying to be a rapper. You did in my 20s? Doing radio promo, paying DJs, paying motherfuckers to put me on blogs, paying that, man, I was on Worldstar for niggas knew how to get on Worldstar, shooting videos, Three, four, five thousand a pop. I had a video in Miami, uh, what, 2011, 2012? Memphis niggas wasn't flying to Miami shooting no videos, not out their own pocket. Research that. Non-fiction. My first motherfucking single on the motherfucking radio that ever got paid was called Non-Fiction, and the whole point of it is I'm authentic and I don't speak no fiction in my raps. This is history, this is a fact. And so, I thought this shit was about talent. I thought if I'm just talented and I invest my money and I'm like, these motherfuckers is snakes. Cause the whole motherfucking industry is built on motherfuckers pimping on motherfuckers with dreams. And I thought cause I had a motherfucking dream and I was talented and everything was gonna go my way. And then I ran through bag after bag after bag after bag. And then, you know, to tell a motherfucker another part of the story, I had a gambling habit. Let's be real. So you mix. Investing in an industry that was owned by gatekeepers at that time. And then you mix that with the fact, man, I'm smashing. I'm getting money fast. And then I'm in a city where I'm gambling. I didn't, you know, like it was a lot going on in my life, man. I probably lost like 200 grand gambling too in like a seven, eight year span. This is no bullshit. So the ups and downs of like transitioning to that. And then I came to Atlanta, my nigga was like, yo, you got to change your life. You too deep in the fucking game. And this music shit ain't, you know, when I thought Jermaine Dupree was going to sign me, it was so much happening to where fast forward. Now we in a space where 
I don't need all the DJs. I don't need all the radio. All I need is the fans and that motherfucking phone and my talent. And that shit is humbling. And I think that's why this next album, Grateful for the Game, is going to be my greatest accomplishment because I've watched my life come full circle. The art that I do, you know, outside of just my music, I just want people to appreciate me for the talent, bro. Like, this shit bigger than anything, anything, like, man, like, I want a motherfucker to sit back and be like, bro, how this motherfucker was a P, but he could paint. But he could out-rap damn near everybody I lit. Like, I ain't never seen no shit like that. And he stayed down damn near two decades and nobody signed him. Nobody put money behind him. Nobody believed in him enough to give him the shot, but he created it himself. I want to do something never been done before. Real shit, man. Hell yeah. Alright, too deep. Before we wrap it up, man, go ahead and give out some shout-outs. I know you've been shouting out people this whole interview, but no one doubt. last time. Man, I want to shout out everybody from Memphis. I want to definitely, first of all, shout out Orange Man in South Memphis, the hoods that raised me. I want to shout out all my partners up here again, Calico B-Roll, Blaze, you know, E-20, Hot Rod, my producer, if you need beats, holla at Hot Rod, you know what I'm saying, Lee, coldest engineer, Man, right here in Atlanta, tap in with them. And I want to shout out, more importantly, I want to make sure people understand this. If you ever bought a CD from me, whether it was for $5, $4, $3, $2, $1, I ain't forgot you. If you ever shook my hand, I ain't forgot you. If you ever came to a show, I ain't forgot you. If you ever booked me for a show, I ain't forgot you. If you ever watched me on the internet and pushed the like button or the comment button, I ain't forgot you. If you ever bought a painting from me, I ain't forgot you. I wake up every fucking day of my life and I look myself in the mirror and I ask myself what I ain't did good enough to be great. And so if you ever supported me in any shape, form or fashion, just know every moment of my motherfucking existence is about showing and proving that you weren't wrong. You believed in somebody who had it. He just had to find a way to build it and show it to the world. And rest in peace to my grandma. If she watching this from heaven, I lost her like shit. Might have been six, seven months ago. And shit, I don't know if it's more motivation I can have than that because I regret not pulling off what I was supposed to pull off earlier. And I feel like she ain't get to live long enough to finally get all the fruits of her labor and raising me, man. You know, I I made a lot of choices in the in decisions that I feel like looking back was selfish. You know, I I I in my at that time in my life I felt like I was making those decisions for the greater good of, you know, like chasing the dream and I'm gonna go back and help everybody. But it was more I could have done. It was more I should have done. And as you get older, you get wise and you understand it. But I appreciate my grandma for believing in me. She put me in a creative art school. You know, she, she honed my talents. Shout out to Overton High School. She honed my talents. Um, you know, like Pac was a big inspiration. I say that and, and because we align the same way. He went to a creative and performing art school. So when people see me paint, draw, act, tell jokes, it's because I'm a creative person and my grandmama she believed in me. That woman saved my fucking life. My daddy was a crackhead. My mama grew up in group homes. My grandma came in at two months old and was like, I'm going to raise you. And I'm going I'm to I'm I'm try to protect you from what you going to go through in these neighborhoods, right? And so it was my decision to jump my dumb ass into the streets because I had the gift of gab. But everything about the rest of my life is about making her proud. And so grateful for the gang gonna be the greatest story ever told. There it is. Uh, Ice Bird Slim on the. Uh, yeah, I'm still him on the. I'ma make a feel.